morning, everyone. My name is Chris. I'm a member here at Santa Cruz Baptist, and it's my pleasure to preach God's Word to you this morning. Happy Father's Day uh, to all the fathers and father figures here. My prayer is that um, specifically the fathers in this room would be encouraged by the good news that is there for us in Christ and in the gospel, and that we would receive it and also share it with our kids. So our text this morning is Mark 10, 46 through 52. You can go ahead and turn there. Mark 10, 46 through 52. If you have a Bible, I hope you do uh, turn there. If not, uh, there should be Bibles in the seats below you or in the seats close by underneath. That's yours to take home if you don't have one. So we're going to be continuing our sermon series through the book of Mark, where we've been looking at one big question, who is Jesus? And specifically the last few weeks, we've been looking at how do we follow Jesus? We've seen Jesus tell his disciples that they must enter the kingdom like little children who are humble, and who are helpless. We've also seen that we cannot come to Jesus like the rich young ruler, who is the opposite. He has no idea how much he needs Jesus. And last week, we looked at how Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, but he's not going to realize a political victory and sit on a throne. He's going to be charged as a criminal and hung on a cross. And we saw that Jesus, the Son of Man, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Today, we'll see Jesus once again show people how to follow him. But this time, we will see him do so by giving sight to a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. And some of you may be thinking, this sounds familiar. And you'd be right. A couple months ago, in Mark 8, Drew preached a sermon on Mark 8:22 through 30, where Jesus healed another blind person. So in fact, this is the second time we see the healing of a blind person in Mark. And if you've been here for the past few weeks to the past few months, you'd know that the disciples also show themselves to be blind to who Jesus is. In that passage, Peter confesses or he sees that Jesus is the Christ. And Drew talked about how Jesus gives us, not just Peter, eyes to see him as the Christ. And in this passage, we'll see that too. We'll see that Jesus gives us eyes to see him as the Christ. But we'll also see that Jesus gives us eyes to follow him as the Christ. So think about a time in your life where you had trouble seeing. Maybe you were playing a game and you were blindfolded. You couldn't see. It was harder for you to walk to go where you're supposed to go. Maybe you uh, 
I've been outside for a long time. You come back in, right? Everything's dark. It's hard to see where you're going. Or maybe you have trouble seeing. Maybe you have prescription glasses, and when those are off, it's a little bit trickier to know where you're going. So I think something we all realize is that our eyes lead our feet. If we don't see clearly, we can't walk clearly. And the point I want us all to see in this passage is that if we don't see Jesus clearly, we won't be able to follow him well into what he calls us into. So let's read Mark 10, 46 through 52. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. So there are two main parts to this story. The first is how Bartimaeus comes to Jesus. And the second is how Jesus comes to Bartimaeus. And we're going to see that in both of those patterns, how Bartimaeus comes to Jesus and how Jesus comes to Bartimaeus. There's many implications for how we come to Jesus and how Jesus comes to us. So the text begins by telling us that this whole interaction began in Jericho. So Jericho was a major stop on the path to Jerusalem. Just last week we saw Jesus tell us that that's where he's headed. Right? He's headed to Jerusalem. So many, many Jews would have been passing through Jericho toward Jerusalem in preparation for the Passover. So this is, again, exactly what Jesus and the disciples were doing. They're on their way to Jerusalem, passing through Jericho. Notice how Bartimaeus places himself in the exact place where the masses would be crossing by. He's a man looking for help. He's in need. He's a blind beggar. But he's not just looking for any type of help. I think if we look carefully at the text, we'll see that he's looking for a very specific type of help. He's looking for Jesus' help. Notice it says, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
see the difference? When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he cries out, not Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David. So he knows enough to know a bit about Jesus. And surely he knows where Jesus was. And he knows where Jesus is going. So what does he do? He places himself in Jesus' path. He knows exactly where to be to find Jesus, and he goes there. Because he's looking not just for some silver, right, to beg for, but he's looking for his sight. He puts himself right in the son of David's path. So Bartimaeus comes to Jesus by going where Jesus is. So where can we, if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, go to where Jesus is? I think of three places where we can do that. The first is in the Bible, right? The entire Bible is a book that points to Jesus. John 5, 39 says this, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. So he's telling this to people who, who know the Old Testament well, but don't believe Jesus is who he says he is. So Jesus says the entire Old Testament, the law and the prophets, are about him. So in the Old Testament, we can find Jesus because it prepares the way for him, points us to our need for him, and it shows us that he, and the salvation he offers, is coming. The New Testament, which we're looking at today, looks closely at him and his life and work on the cross, and it shows us that the promises of salvation in the Old Testament are given to us by Jesus in the New we can find Jesus in the Bible. We can also find him in prayer. Because he is our mediator, we can go to God in confidence, knowing that our Father hears us not on the basis of what we can do or have done, but on the basis of what Jesus has done for us. Finally, we can find Jesus in the church. As messed up as churches can be, Ephesians 1, 22 through 23, tells us that God put all things under his, that's, that's Jesus' feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So Jesus, or the church, is the tangible, physical representation of Jesus on earth. Right? Just as if you know me, you see my body, and you say, that's Chris. And if I know you, I see your body, I see your face, what makes you unique, and I know your name and who you are. In the same way, we can see the church, again, although it's flawed with sinners in it, we can see the church and know that it's Jesus' body the representation of him on earth, and we can find Jesus there. We can find Jesus here. Now, if you're wondering what it really means to be a part of a church, maybe you've never been a member of a church before, 
I would really encourage you to uh, come next week and come and stay for the members meeting where you can find a lot more about what it means to be a church, what it means to be a member of a church, and to really not just come and visit, but to really plug in and to be a part. So, read the Bible, pray, be in Jesus' church. Right? That's how we can go to where he is, like Bartimaeus did. Bartimaeus also comes to Jesus with a spirit of humility. So not just, he doesn't just come to Jesus, but he comes to Jesus in a specific type of way. And that's with a spirit of humility. Everything about Bartimaeus demonstrates that he's a humble man. He's an outcast. He's described explicitly as a beggar. Right? Not all blind people described in the Bible are called beggars, but Bartimaeus is. Called a blind beggar. He's on the side of the road, wholly dependent on another for help. He can't help himself to see. I'm sure he's tried, right? This isn't new for him. He's come to the realization he's in need. And only Jesus, the Son of David, can help him. So, aware of his need, he even continues to cry out to Jesus in the face of opposition. Look at verse 48. They rebuke him, the crowd. They basically tell him, shut up, man. They think he's a nuisance. They think he's this just piece of garbage on the side of the road, and they've got to get past the stink to get to where they want to go. Is that the way Jesus sees Bartimaeus? No, it's not. But they don't think that the great prophet Jesus has got any time for this man. Which is amazing, because if we think about the three times in Mark 10 where we see right, who's uh, the type of person that Jesus is interested in, the first one is the little children. right? People are bringing the children to Jesus, and they're rebuked. Jesus doesn't have time for little children. He's more important than that. And what does Jesus say? Uh Uh-uh. Bring them to me. And then we see the rich young ruler. No one rebukes him. And he goes away sorrowful because he can't enter the kingdom because he refuses to give up his riches. He refuses to come to Jesus in complete need. It's amazing. So Bartimaeus just cries out all the more. He says, son of David, have mercy on me. He's completely beyond trying to look good in front of the crowd or Jesus. He's a blind beggar. He's got nothing to offer. He's got nothing to prove. He can't give Jesus anything that Jesus needs. All he has is his humble request for sight. Now, We may be here today thinking that, you know, we've got a little bit to offer. We're here. Maybe we've got a house, a job, some money to put in the offering box. We're filling the blank. But we really do not offer Jesus anything that he needs. Now, it's a really good thing that we are here. Don't get me wrong. But the point is, is that it's not because of us that we're here. 
It's because Jesus has called us here. And by his grace, we've been given the sight to come. Bartimaeus doesn't give himself sight. It's given to him by Jesus. Right? And the point here is that we have to know that we're blind or we're needy in order to come to Jesus to have our needs met. Without a deep and pervasive sense of need, we won't come to him. There's no point. Right? We can't find a doctor until we know we're sick. We have no business being in the doctor's office unless we know we're sick. We can't find our way until we know we're lost. We can't ask for sight until we know we're blind. So we must, like Bartimaeus, recognize our weakness. Recognize that we have nothing to offer that Jesus needs and come to him for mercy. So this brings us to the second part of the story, right? Where Jesus comes to Bartimaeus, or he calls Bartimaeus. In verse 49, the text says that Jesus stopped and said, call him. They called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. So first, look at how Jesus handles this situation. He is, he's so the master teacher. Right? He could call him himself. Jesus could do it in a bunch of different ways, but what does he do? He tells the crowds to do it. The very crowds who just told Bartimaeus to shut up that Jesus doesn't have time for you. He says, you, you go do it. Why? Because he knows that they have something to learn about Jesus, about his kingdom, about how you have to follow him. They need to know, just like we do today, it's not the strong and mighty who get in, but those who are weak and ask for mercy. Again, these are the people who've been following Jesus, right? Bartimaeus isn't the only blind person. The disciples, the crowds are also blind to what it means to follow Jesus. If we think about it, the, the result is you can be really close to Jesus and still miss what he's all about. So we have to be careful to align ourselves with the word of God because that is where we can know who Jesus is and how we come to him, how we follow him. So the very person the crowds thought was unworthy of not getting help, but even asking for it, is the very person Jesus stops to give mercy to. Jesus is clear on this. Again, Mark 2, 7. He says, when Jesus heard it, this is way back in the beginning of the gospel. When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Again, those who think they're righteous are not the ones Jesus is interested in. He needs them to know that they aren't righteous before they can come to him. In fact, those ones who think they're well and think they're all great and mighty are the exact ones that Jesus harshly rebukes and condemns. But he gives mercy to those who are able 
to recognize that they're sick and come to him for that mercy. Friends, I want you to see that Jesus' heart towards sinners is unimaginably kind. He is the friend of sinners. So just as we can't plumb the depths of God's wrath toward prideful rebels who refuse his mercy, so we also cannot plumb the depths of his great and gentle love for humble sinners who come to Jesus. Here's the good news. He doesn't require that you bring anything to the table. Just requires that you come to the table. Jesus stops to meet this, this man, this blind beggar in his need, and he stops to meet us in our need when we repent of our sins and come to him for mercy. So after Jesus stops, his little entourage, the crowd, goes up to Bartimaeus. They listen, and they say, Take heart. Get up. He is calling you. I want you to sit on these words for a moment. Take your time. These are some of the most encouraging words I've heard in the Bible recently. Take heart. Get up. He is calling you. Take heart. Get up. He is calling you. And because Jesus calls the weak, the blind, the spiritually dead... You resonate with that group, Jesus calls you. Now the word take heart may ring a biblical bell for some of you. It appears seven times in the New Testament, and all of them are in the Gospels and Acts. We're going to look at them on the screen right now. So to the paralytic in Matthew 9, 2, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. To the woman with a 12-year-old blood disorder, in Matthew 9.22, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well, and instantly the woman was made well. To the disciples, as they watch him walk on water, terrified, For they all saw him and were terrified, but immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Here, in Mark 10, 49, blind Bartimaeus, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. To the disciples, in John 16, 33, I have said all these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And to Paul, on mission for Jesus and afraid for his life, in Acts 23:11, the following night the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, or take heart, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. So to the paralyzed, Take heart. To the diseased, take heart. To the fearful, take heart. To the blind, take heart. To the sufferers, take heart. To the persecuted, take heart. 
into the group that I know we all identify with, the sinners. Take heart. You notice the theme? To all who are needy, to all who can't help themselves, take heart. Jesus calls you to himself. Bartimaeus' response to Jesus calling him is absolutely classic. We see it in verse 50. He throws his cloak off, springs up, and comes to Jesus. He's thrilled, absolutely thrilled. After being rebuked by the crowds, Jesus calls him. Keep in mind, this man is blind. This isn't a natural maneuver. But no matter the cost, he's getting to Jesus as soon as he can. And some of you dog owners in the room uh, may be able to resonate with this. Uh, it's amazing how a dog can just go from asleep to at your door barking, jumping all over you in like a second. That's, that's a little bit like what Bartimaeus is doing here. Um, or your kids after you're gone uh, for a long day at work, right? You come home. They are ready to meet you, excited, they're thrilled, right? That's Bartimaeus here. He's got no hesitation. He's not playing hard to get, like, kind of walking to Jesus. No, he's going as soon as he can. And I want to tell you, if you're here today waiting for the right time to come to Jesus, begging for mercy, now is the time. We sung a song last week. It says, if you tarry, if you wait till you're better, you will never come at all. Jesus doesn't call you only when you've got your life put together, when you know things are working out, maybe you're on a hot streak. No, he calls you as you are to run to Jesus and like Bartimaeus did, run as fast as you can. So next, Jesus asks Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Now, if you got your Bibles, I really want you to see this. Sinner, remember the last time we heard Jesus say these words? It was last week in our sermon, from 10, 35 through 37. In James and John... The sons of Zebedee came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, right here, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. So James and John, they want a piece of the pie. They've been with Jesus this whole time. And they want a share, the glory. They want to sit, the right hand and his left. What do you want me to do for you? And now, blind Bartimaeus, Jesus asks him the same thing. And what does he say? I want to see. Rabbi, let me recover my sight. You see the difference? You see how even if we're familiar with Jesus, we can still miss it. We need to come to him empty, empty-handed, knowing that he meets all of our needs. 
So Jesus, he does exactly that. He gives the blind man sight. And finally, in verse 52, it reads, And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. So here it is, all the build up to this moment. The blind beggar, Bartimaeus, receives his sight. And Bartimaeus' physical condition is an image of his in all of our spiritual conditions. So just as Bartimaeus was physically blind, so he was spiritually blind. You may be here today, and you may not be uh, physically blind, or we all may not have been born physically blind, but we were all born spiritually blind with a need for sight. And the Bible says a lot about spiritual blindness and spiritual sight. In Isaiah 42, both in verse 16, or 6, and 7, and 16, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you, as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations to open the eyes that are blind. And in verse 16, And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. In paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. And in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, right? He's quoting the Old Testament here, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And he told everyone, Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The Bible is clear that spiritual blindness affects everyone. It's our default condition. And it can only be cured by God granting spiritual sight. How does he do it? We can't buy it. We can't earn it. It's only by faith, not by works. So, like the rich ruler, you can't get it by doing or having a lot of stuff. But like the children and this blind beggar, it can happen by going to God in faith, knowing that he can grant mercy. And finally, right now, we'll see how that spiritual sight which God gives by faith and which we all need, gives us eyes to follow Jesus as the Christ. So look at verse 52. It says, or Jesus says, go your way, your faith has made you well. Right? Go your way, faith has made you well. It's essentially dismissing Bartimaeus. Do you see what Bartimaeus does? Does he go his way? No. It says immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Do you see it? 
Bartimaeus doesn't go on Bartimaeus' way. He just can't. Why? Because he can see. He can see that Jesus is the way to go. After he's been healed and granted mercy, he can't do other than to follow Jesus on the way. So because he can see who Jesus is, he can answer the call to discipleship. He can answer the call to follow Jesus with his eyes and his feet. Friends, just as Jesus stopped in Jericho, reaching out to this blind beggar, healing and spiritual sight, he offers blind beggars today the same thing. So if you are here today and you have not answered the call to follow Jesus, I urge you to do so. Jesus is son of David, which means that he's the promised one from the Old Testament who was going to and did offer salvation to those who repent and believe in him uh, and in his work on the cross. He lived a perfect human life. He never sinned. And that death that he died on the cross, he died on your behalf. And if you go to him in faith, like Bartimaeus did, repenting of your sin and begging for mercy, he will heal you. He will give you sight and salvation. You will be saved from God's righteous anger and adopted into God's holy family. Now, if you have repented of your sin and trusted in Jesus for salvation, if by God's grace you can see clearly that Jesus is Christ, I'm going to exhort you to follow Jesus on the way. Maybe uh, you've gotten out of some habits um, of following Jesus. Maybe that's prayer. Maybe that's reading your Bible. Maybe that's uh, loving your neighbor and all that that entails. Follow Jesus on the way. That's what his grace enables us to do. That's what his gift of sight enables us to do, to follow him. Now, the path Bartimaeus followed Jesus into would lead straight into brutal suffering and death. Right? They're headed to Jerusalem. Jesus is about to die on the cross. Following Jesus will mean denying yourself and carrying your cross daily. So it's not saying that this is going to be the easiest path in the world. But ultimately, following Jesus on the way will lead to resurrection from the dead and internal, eternal joy with our great God in heaven. Let us thank God for his grace, for his gift of spiritual sight through faith and follow Jesus on the way. Let's pray.